I mean, now I know my way around a couch. For follow-up, so I, I had a follow-up topic of RIP meal tracking, which is funny because I made the notes on this doc probably, I don't know, early May, uh, so five months into the year. And this was a reference to the fact that I had not done any meal tracking in all of 2021. And I was really all about it in 2020. And I feel like I've never mentioned that, that I just totally abruptly stopped. So basically in 2021, I was like, you know what? I think I have the self-control. I've made some changes that should stick with me. Should be able to do this. And actually it went great for quite a while. Um, recently, I've been reconsidering it. I feel like I've had, for a variety of reasons, my life was... Uh, pretty chaotic for like a month and a half. And during that time, my eating eating habits definitely declined. And I got out of the habit of being very careful of just like portions. Um, and so now I'm reconsidering it. But actually, yeah, five months, six, yeah, five months off meal tracking so far. Um, and we'll see. I actually don't think I will go back to it. But if I need to, if I feel that it's necessary, I think that I might. It has been such a relief to not be doing it, honestly. Yeah. It's so nice. Yeah, I've been like hit or miss with meal tracking in 2021. Some weeks are good, some weeks not so much, but I keep trying to be more disciplined with it. Um, yeah. I know for myself that if I don't meal track, I just have a really bad tendency to, to not have good portion control, just eat yeah. bad stuff. I don't, <laughs> I just know that about me. Um, so that's one reason. That's, you know, you really just have to know yourself and know. Um, your weaknesses, I guess. Yeah. So uh, I could see not wanting to do it though, because I know I don't want to do it ever. It's awful. It's such a just a mental burden, I guess, to to always be tracking, and it makes some stuff we've talked about before, like yeah, it's so inconvenient with yeah. certain things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's interesting. Uh, I know I meal tracked for. I don't know. I would say 18 months, like really like perfect, <laughs> near perfect. And then I fell yeah. off the wagon and it was like, I went to zero. So I'm like zero or a hundred. <laughs> it seems like I either have a good week or I'm like not doing it at all. I think that's how it's got to be done though. Because if you miss it, if you like regularly miss meals or, or ignore things, it feels like there's no point. Right. So I, I totally understand. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I I am dreading going back to it, so I, I wonder if that can be enough of motivation for me. It's like if I feel like my diet vastly improves and I see some physique improvements, then maybe that'll be enough to avoid it. So mm. then I need to crack down on myself. We'll see. I need I need like a, an actual enforcement mechanism to that to know like if something happens, if I go three weeks of too much junk food, I have to start meal tracking again because, man, I would dread that. Yeah. Well, my... My, I was just going to say that your criteria for not having to meal track are the benefits of meal tracking. Boy, true, but it, can, I, can I get the benefits without the meal tracking? Right. And if I do not have the control, then I have to meal track. That's the worry. That's yeah, fair. Exactly. That's fair. It's just yeah. funny that it's like, well, if I can do the things that I know meal tracking will do for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's totally true. Just through sheer willpower. And I mean, that's the goal. That is the goal. <laughs> I will say it's like, Right now, because I'm trying to avoid the meal tracking, I'm in a weird phase where I am like squeezing in random calorie burning things wherever I can. It's like, yes, I can like trim up my diet a little bit, but also can I just cheat a little bit and just do it with exercise? Like how much exercise can I possibly squeeze in mm. in a day? I will say, uh, <clears throat> I noticed that 
you were I'm getting more notifications at random times like <laughs> <laughs> like you went for a run or you were on your bike or something I'm like this seems out of Ethan's character or yeah, like normal routine that must be really annoying <laughs> must be really annoying because I go for a lot of bike rides now yeah. which will come up in one of these other it certainly makes me feel like and maybe that's you know that's sort of the whole point I'm like wow I need to up my game <laughs> <laughs> competing my bike rides are mainly utility to get places right now. Mm-hmm. So they are not, they're not very exercise efficient, but yeah, with other things, this, this last week I've been like this morning in particular, I was like, I could finish reading this or I could do just like a lazy two mile run. And it's like two miles. There's a lot of calories in two miles. I could just do two miles. Mm. Won't be that bad. It wasn't great, but it wasn't horrible. I just lazily ran two miles, not for the stamina building, but just to be like, Nope, that's 200 calories gone. Makes my day easier. Yeah, that's fair. I am of the mind, though, that you can't outwork your bad habits. I can't do it. I know I can't. Unfortunately, you are definitely correct. Yeah. There's just the human body is too efficient. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately. It is true. It's like 200 calories is not very much. It's not very much. Very discouraging. Pain of a two mile run. I hate running. I find that to be one of the. worse forms of exercise you know this about me i'm just not a fan if i'm running it has to be through some type of activity where i'm not focused on the run and i I think i've got to be on the fast break looking for the alley exactly i understand yeah Yeah. (laughs) or soccer or you know ultimate frisbee whatever um then i'll run around a whole bunch and not even mind but if it's just running i just am in my head the whole time how awful it is and how much further i have to go so running and me don't jive at all <laughs> so actually it's funny i mean we're basically past follow-up here and this might spill into some other topics that was our only real follow-up topic but um the so I, i've been going to the gym for a while now i think i mentioned that in the last couple ones and that's been great i like have taken weeks off at various points for different reasons but generally have like stuck with the gym and that's been really nice but um now the requirement for masks in the gym is lifted and that is really nice so it's it seems it's kind of odd it's like some parts of the gym they care still and some parts they do not but that has allowed me to go back to the treadmill and man how i love the treadmill how i have missed the treadmill it has been like a year and a half now i never (laughs) like running but i just i like the treadmill so much better yesterday i had my first treadmill run in a year and a half and i was like Oh, this is so much better. I hate running outside. It's the worst. This is such an improvement. So that was great. And I'm so excited. I think I will have a lot more runs coming up for that reason. I might look forward to the treadmill for a while till I start hating it again. Uh, the treadmill is a machine of despair and misery. <laughs> it's I'm the never... exhilaration, though. <laughs> and I think that I feel very uneasy on treadmills. This maybe says more about yeah. me than anything, but I no, never that's a feel real... safe. I never feel safe on a treadmill. I felt that way for the first like six months that I ran on a treadmill regularly. I always thought I was very close to injury. Right. Very, very close to injury. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so why? It's like hard for me to justify because if I get injured, <laughs> then I'm taking a huge step back in terms of physical health. So it's that like... is true. I never did get injured, but it feels like injury is always, always at your doorstep. Yes. I, I love, I mean, there's just, it's kind of like you said before, you need to know yourself with the meal tracking and you need to know yourself with other things too. And I, uh, Gray describes certain things as like your brain is broken in a certain way. He, he said that about, uh, like Elon Musk 
of being like, well, he's kind of effective for society and that his brain is broken in a very specific way that he has to start new companies and Richard Branson. And it's like, sometimes I think of the ways in which my brain is broken. And one is that if I set really arbitrary goals and just make a rule about it for a short period of time, it works great for me, which works great on a treadmill because I can be like, I will be on here for three miles and I can only increase the speed, never decrease. Follow those rules and see what happens. And that, I find that very motivating uh, compared to running outside where it's like, what well, anytime I can, I have to stop. There's red lights and you know, <laughs> all this life happening. So it's, interesting. it's been good for me, I think. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad your your gym's back opened and getting back yeah, to some level nice. of normalcy. That's awesome. Yeah, it has been great. I mean, starting to get more people, which is disappointing. But yeah. Oh, yeah. I think there's going to be a tsunami, right? Yes. For the first few beginning. months, at least. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's not going to be as fun. But but what's new in your life? So we, we haven't done one of these in forever. Yeah. What is new? So the biggest thing is that I moved apartments. Which was terrible, but ultimately terrible. Great. Is it an upgrade? Yeah. I mean, it is a massive upgrade, and that was the reason for our move. So we were in a an apartment with a short term lease. We knew we weren't gonna be staying there for the long term, um, but we just didn't know the city well. We didn't know where we wanted to be, and it was on really short notice, like only a couple weeks to move the first time. So we kind of oh, just yeah. took the first place that met our very minimum criteria. So, um, we had been looking for a while and then we landed on this place, um, that is like more centrally located, uh, than where we were originally. So it's super convenient to get everywhere we want to be. It's a bigger apartment. We're on a second floor. We have an attached garage. So it has a ton of perks. Yeah, that is nice. Yeah. Yeah. So overall, in that regard, like the apartment is a massive improvement. But the there's just been a number of really like frustrating things um, that have come up. Um, Like when we moved in, our dishwasher um, broke and it leaked water the day before we moved in. So we showed up and the kitchen was soaking oh, wet man. on the floor, yeah. which is like, you know, you're really starting off on the wrong foot. It's like not setting the right uh, mood for yeah. the move. So um, that was really annoying. And then it took like a few days to get the uh, dishwasher replaced because it's like appliances and, and stuff are still mm. back ordered with COVID um, and like just supply chain issues. And there's a number of other things I won't get into like all of it, but there's just been a ton of little stuff that's like made it frustrating. And I feel like I'm a, we're about to turn the corner. Like we have sorted out all of the annoying stuff. We're pretty much settled completely. Um, Yeah. How long have you been there now? Um, three weeks. Yeah. Three weeks now. So, uh, it's, well, the one thing I'll get into, I guess my little, a little tangent story for you is don't ever and don't ever buy furniture from ikea online because it's likely that they just won't send you pieces of it and (laughs) act as if that's okay (laughs) so when we moved um we were looking to replace like a whole bunch of our furniture we had just been using stuff that was hand-me-down and beat up and we were fine with that for the temporary like short term but we always knew once we got into a more permanent apartment, we were going to replace a bunch of stuff. And one of them was the couch. And we like looked around at a whole bunch of places. We went to 
furniture stores and stuff and just were not satisfied with really anything that we could get. Um, but then we went to Ikea and we sat on an Ikea couch and for the price point, I thought, man, this is a real bargain. Like, yeah. is it going to hold up over time? I doubt it, but for the next few years, I think it'll be fine. And the price is super competitive. Uh, the only problem being that Ikea has been perpetually sold out of couches for a I year. had this problem last summer when I tried to buy one. Yep. Yeah. At Ikea, they were sold out. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I didn't even think it was going to be possible to get a Ikea sofa. Um, but I was stalking their app and I had like a set of product, like items that I wanted that were like saved in a list and I could quickly check and see if they were available at my nearest Ikea store. And, um, on a, on a Monday morning at 7am, I saw that I could order a couch and I was shocked. I was like, I cannot believe this. I like ran over to Mary and I was like, this is crazy. I was like, Ikea says that we can buy the couch we want right now. So I was like, we got to do it. Like we have to do it right now. Otherwise there's like five of them. <laughs> so, uh, we weren't going to be able to, uh, the nearest Ikea store to us now is like an hour away, which is super different than before. And, yeah. uh, is a real adjustment. I'm realizing at this point, like I've had to make. So I was like, ah, well, we're not gonna be able to get up there, uh, today. So I'll just order it for delivery. And that was my fatal mistake. So I ordered delivery for the couch and it said they would deliver Friday. And I was like, awesome. In a few days, we'll have the couch. And Friday came and the delivery people showed up and they only delivered one part of the couch. So, you know, it's three squares, but one of them is a chase and then the yeah. other part is like a love seat. And you could buy these individually, but they sell them as a set to make the sofa. And they only delivered the chase. And they're <laughs> and the delivery people are a third party. So I'm like, well, where's the other yeah. box? And they're like, this is all that they put on the truck. Ugh. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I immediately call Ikea. And I will say their um, customer service is really... Uh, I mean, in this regard, they're bad, right? They didn't deliver all the pieces that they're supposed to. <laughs> but on the phone, they're generally nice and helpful and pretty quick prompt at like getting through to like trying to find a resolution. And so I'm like, what's going on? Right. And they're like, oh, it's back ordered. And I'm like, you let me purchase it. Yeah, it's not back. It's not back. Ordered it. <laughs> I'm like, how did your app tell let me buy it if it wasn't available? And my suspicion is that the, my online order went through, but then there was like some lag yeah. from them in, in, in the store that's an hour away, setting it in the back or something. And somebody came in and bought the love seat only. Seems very possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, this is a mess. And so uh, I was like, what are we going to do? And they're like, well, we think we'll have a, some more in a couple weeks. And I'm like, that's, you know. That's not good. <laughs> yeah. And he, so, uh, fast forward a couple of days, I checked in the Cincinnati store uh, where we saw a family, and it turns out the love seat was in Cincinnati, which really drives me mad. Yeah. That IKEA's operations work this way. It turns out that they only deliver to you from your like closest store. 
And even if there's another store, so the closest store is an hour, but then we could get to the Columbus store if we wanted to in 90 minutes or two hours. Yeah, of so traffic. it's not much different. Right, yeah. but they won't deliver it from the Columbus store because it's yeah. not the closest store. Even I think though, I knew this, yeah. And that's absurd to me. So I was like, uh, okay. I called family up and I was like, hey, we this is a strange request. I need you to go to Ikea and buy this love seat. <laughs> and then we'll cut, when we come down to Cincinnati, like, we'll, we'll get it from you. And so we end up doing. How that. are you going to get it though? You need a, a big car, right? We borrowed their truck. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. So that was the. Had they not had a truck, it would yeah. have been impossible. But we were able to borrow their truck, and that made it all work. Wow. Um, well, good for you. That sounds terrible. Right. I've also had a bad IKEA delivery experience, so you're not alone. Yeah, it's like a super long-winded, boring story. I'm sure we no. just bored everyone. It, but it was like <laughs> such a stupid thing. I was like, okay. You you sold me this couch, Ikea, right? Like, we entered a contractual agreement of some sort where you're going to deliver this couch, and you said Friday. And because you don't have the operational efficiency to understand you needed to route another love seat up yes, exactly. near Michigan, that's not so on me. You should yeah. have, like, arranged to get it delivered from Cincinnati. I shouldn't have had to jump through all these hoops. I feel like, yeah, I would, like, cancel payment on that. That's so bad. They end up like, refunding back, me you know? my component, like, the that piece of it. So, like, I got a refund no, on my online order. Good. And I'm happy it's all resolved. But it was just a mess and really frustrating. Yeah, man. Oh. I had that happen last summer. They uh, delivered a bed to me. Was it last summer? No, it was before that. It was actually way before that because, yeah, it was definitely pre-COVID. Um, they delivered a bed to me and, and shipped one of the wrong pieces. And we, <laughs> I, not only did I pay for the delivery, but I paid for assembly because it was a bed. You know, oh, I was like, this right. is going to be a real pain. And so these people show up to assemble it and they're like, these aren't the right pieces. And they're contractors. They're not employees right. of Ikea. And I, and I was like, well, don't put the wrong one on there. It was like the <laughs> wrong color or something. I was like, don't just put it together with the wrong thing. But then I called Ikea and nobody answered. And I was like, this is terrible. Oh, wow. Like, I'll never buy from you ever again. I think I left them a really bad review. I was like, be, eventually, eventually, I got the contractors to call Ikea and they got a hold of them. But I really might no, not buy from them again, at least in that format, unless I can take it from the store. Because I was like, the, the downside is so great. If you pay for assembly, then you just lose the assembly. Oh, benefit. yes. Yeah. So that was a real pain. No, that's really awful. That's my rule now is I will only ever buy from Ikea if I can grab it in the store. If it's on the shelf and I can grab it and pay for it there, that's fine. Like, you, that's okay. But uh, any other format, no, I'm not doing delivery with yeah. them. Well, now, especially with furniture, you're often very time sensitive. It's yeah. like the point of buying this, especially buying something expensive, is like, I want it now. Mm -hmm. My house needs to be furnished. I'm only going to live here so long. Right. That was my thought, too. I was like, I want to get this done. Like, <laughs> I don't want to wait weeks and weeks. I don't know when you're going to deliver the love seat frame that I need. So, yeah, it was... Just don't ever buy from Ikea online. It's miserable. They're clueless. Noted. They'll just send you half your stuff and say, oh, well, we don't know. And, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I, well, glad that is over. Yeah, but I guess I'm a real idiot because I uh, I bought more stuff from Ikea, but in store. Oh, <laughs> in store. I just, they can't, I can't beat their prices. I got, no, And true. I'm not trying they to spend do, yeah. a whole bunch of money furnishing everything, so... Here I am. I also love Ikea. Yeah. <laughs> so how much stuff do you have left with a move? Any big things still to do? So there's still some small, like, furnishing we need to do, um, which will probably likely be Ikea, but maybe uh, somewhere else. 
Um, and then we have some. I'm I'm fighting to get some bulk items removed. Uh, so like disposing of a sofa, like an old oh, sofa and tough. stuff. Yeah. So the trash company that services our apartment um, will do bulk pickup, uh, supposedly. And I called and arranged it last week, and I'm like, I need you to pick up a couch and a chair. That's all I need you to do. Um, pretty simple. And so they were like, it's going to cost X. I said, no problem. Totally willing to pay that much. Yeah. Charge it to my card. And uh, they're supposed to pick it up on Friday. And Friday came, and Friday went, and they, did <laughs> not, and they did not pick it up. And I was actually out of town. So then I came back on Monday. And I was like, maybe they picked it up on Monday. Like, maybe they were just running late. And no, I arrived Monday, like, early evening, and it's still there. So I called them Monday, uh, yesterday, and I said, what the heck is going on? Why haven't you picked this up? And I am beginning to suspect this happens very frequently because in their menu, their phone menu, there is a specific option for missed bulk pickup. (laughs) (laughs) So that is a clue that they aren't uh, so reliable at this. So then uh, they were like, okay, we're going to send out like a, a group. It sounded like as if the person on the phone told, was saying to me, we're going to come pick it up today. And I'm like, well, that sounds like a late thing to do, but awesome. Like I don't want this stuff in front of my apartment anymore. Yeah. And so then they didn't. Right. And so I called <laughs> back again today and they're like, oh, we're the truck's coming today. And it's 7 PM and all the crap is still in front of my house. So but that's going well. That's yeah, good. it's going awesome. And so I'm going to call them tomorrow, and I'm going to keep calling them. And eventually, I guess I'll give up and charge back the what they the charge yeah. through the credit card. And then I guess rent a U-Haul and find somewhere to dispose of this stuff. I don't know. Yeah, that's yeah. your options are very limited there, which is frustrating. It is so strange to me. I can't wrap my head around this. Why is this such a difficult process? We all throw away stuff all the time. I'm not the first person to throw away a sofa in Toledo. Why in the hell is this so challenging? I I mean, uh, a lot of these, I mean, this isn't true of Ikea, although in some sense, Ikea has like sort of a mini monopoly on a very specific furniture market. But certainly these essentially utility companies like the waste management company, you know, there's, I mean, what are you going to do? Switch garbage companies? Right. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's no, it's no lo- often a geographic monopoly for yeah. sometimes. The, um, I know that the there this trash company is different than the one we had before in the other apartment. And at the other apartment, they won't even let you dispose of the items in person. They only do bulk pickup, which oh. I found really strange. Uh, and I know in Cincinnati, they will let you throw away the items yourself and they still charge you to dispose them. But it's to me at some point, it just becomes worth it to just do it yourself. You know, it's going to be done on a certain day by, and it's going to get, I totally agree. So much easier. Yeah. But now I'm just stuck in this position. I don't know if I can do it myself with this new trash company. And if they operate the same way as the old one that from my other apartment, they'll, they won't let me. So then I'm at Yeah, but there will be a dump somewhere, you know, like there there surely is one within driving distance. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, but that, oh, that is a real pain. Anyway, I was very fortunate that my apartment did not have anything like that I had to get rid of. And at my last apartment, I was able to just pawn off the two, we had two sofas because I had a roommate. 
And we just left them for the next residence because they actually wanted them, which was perfect. Yeah. yeah. So good luck to them. I'm not sure they'll ever be able to get them out of the apartment without cutting them in half. <laughs> it took us so much work to get them in the stairwell. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, they'll have to just burn them. Yeah. Or cut them up. I've cut up a few couches. <laughs> have you actually? Are you oh, serious? yeah. Yeah. Really? You just bust out the Sawzall. You chop away. Really? Oh, yeah. Sometimes wow. it's just what way experience. easier. And if it's a piece of junk, which... When I'm disposing of a couch, it's a piece of junk at this point. <laughs> like, I know I'm not going to be able to get rid of it. And it's going to be a yeah. huge pain to carry it down. I just haven't heard of anybody doing it, but it makes sense. Oh, it's so it's so much easier. You can chop it up and, like, I mean, now I know my way around a couch. Clearly. I, I know, like, where to cut. And, <laughs> well, actually, I cut away all the upholstery first. I cut up the couch that's sitting out in front of my house right now. It's all cut up. In a bunch of, I'll take a picture. It's still there. <laughs> I'm just picturing like somebody carving a turkey, except it's you at a couch. Yeah, it's you, like, me. Have I'm just... The precise locations that you know you need to <laughs> so, make the incisions. Let me let me break it down for you. And couch anyone... surgeon, Dr. <laughs> Gregory Moore. The <laughs> I am well qualified. Um, <gasps> the first tip is cut away the upholstery as much as you can. Mm. So, okay, so skin the couch. Yes. Begin by skinning the couch. You need to skin okay. the couch. You need to get a view of the frame and any springs yeah. that are in there. The springs are a big thing. That's what I'm going to get to is like, you need to be really careful about the springs because they hold a ton of tension. (laughs) They can be really dangerous. So you need to cut away all the excess fabric and everything. And you need to look at the frame. Then you just want to find where all the joints are. Like where does the arm actually connect to the frame itself? And can you cut the frame in half, like in a way that makes sense? And then you just, you use your sawzall and you get a blade that can do wood with nails. You want wood. What do you call it? A saw saw? A saw saw or a reciprocating saw is the proper name. I've never heard of a saw saw or a reciprocating saw. Oh man, Ethan, they're awesome. I have so much to learn. You should look it up. It's basically like I am going to a rectangular ish. So it's not rect- it's rectangular if you were to draw a box around it. And there's a blade that has a serrate one serrated edge that's fit into the front of it and it goes back and forth really quickly. Oh, it's one of these. Oh. Yeah, we grew up calling these couch saws because they're specifically made for couches. That's hilarious. That's what I use mine <laughs> no, for. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, okay, you got me. I was like, <laughs> I've never heard that, but it works. <laughs> you said that so convincingly. We grew up saying it was a couch saw. <laughs> they're used for demolition a lot of I times see. and cutting I up just I have seen in houses and stuff. They're super versatile because wow. you can just switch out the blade. So you can cut metal, wood, wood with nails. <laughs> oh, I do see saw. Oh, sawzall. S-A-W-Z-A-L-L. Yeah. Reciprocating saw is the proper name. So you just use that bad boy and you just cut it There's up. There's not more than one way to skin a couch is what I learned. There's precisely <laughs> one way to skin you a You should couch. certainly use the reciprocating saw. It's going to make your life a lot easier. <laughs> but here's the here's the critical juncture. Okay? So... In most couches, there's going to be a spring in the frame, okay? Yes, yes. And those springs are connected to the front of the frame and, like, the back part. And then there's a back padding normally. So, like, it's connected underneath there. And if you are not careful and you don't know what you're doing, like, if you cut in the wrong joint at the wrong time, you will snap that. The, The tension on the springs will collapse and it could cause wood to splinter and shoot away a spring could come loose off of the frame and shoot out like it's can be a little dangerous danger so when you're cutting your couch i would just say that's where you need to be mindful especially is when you're about to 
do something that's going to affect that interior frame, like where you sit, um, just be mindful that you don't catch a spring. Noted. I mean, I'm, <clears throat> I'm keeping very <laughs> diligent notes on this section because I do cut couches at least once a decade. So. <laughs> or so I imagine. If you need to borrow so. my Sawzall, you can. Noted. <laughs> I mean, it seems like Home Depot has a good selection of them. Yeah, that's where I got mine. <laughs> wow, truly exciting stuff for you, Greg. Cutting couches, man. I did it all by myself, too. I just, I was like, I know what I'm doing I here. can tell, you're a pro. I was like, just cut it all up, <laughs> it was done, easy. <laughs> wow. Man. Well, so I, I didn't move. I'm still in my same apartment. I think I told you I was thinking about moving. And no couches were killed in the uh, the moving of my apartment because there wasn't one. And I really thought about it for a while. I was like, so my moving thoughts were um, all all based around location, basically. Like, mm-hmm. I really like my physical apartment. I really like the amenities of it. I have a garage, which is great in Chicago. Um, it's very near my office. But all my friends live on the other side of the city. <clears throat> and that's like all everyone's friends live on the north side of the city. That is like the young, yuppie place in Chicago, for sure. Everybody lives up there. And so I was like seriously contemplating it, which would have made my commute longer, would have made my place more expensive, would have made, I don't know, I would maybe have liked my neighborhood as much, but there's nice things about my neighborhood and it has even free parking, which a lot of places don't. And so that's really nice too. So in the end, I was like, no, I just like this place too much. But I did ask my landlord if he would fix my deck if I were to stay. So for literally, uh, I'm peeking out of my deck now, for literally... A month now no more than that probably five or six weeks he has been working on my deck he claims he tried to get a contractor and was unsuccessful because everyone is booked which yeah. seems believable but he is not the most skilled craftsman and he's 70 <laughs> so he's wow. not yeah he is not making great progress uh so i'm i'm probably gonna lose my deck for half the summer this is probably a mistake <laughs> that's a bummer that's a bummer uh, what was wrong but with other it? than that it's great um so my deck is so this is like a pretty common structure in Chicago. So you have the like three or four story apartment building and uh, that's like back to back with another set of those. So my whole street is three or four story apartment buildings and behind them is an alley be separating them from the other street, the next street. And then attached and facing the alley to each of those units is a garage. So you have these garages that directly abut the units but they're only one story high, of course, because they're garages. And so on the roof of the garage, that is turned into a deck, an oh. uncovered deck. So it's just like a patio. You walk out. So for me, I live on the second floor. So actually, I walk directly out of my apartment onto the deck. Mm-hmm. But I share the deck with the, the downstairs resident. Um, and it's like separated in half. But I give all that background because, yeah, it's uncovered. And it's not like a particularly nice thing. Like it's not fancy in any way. It's really just a railing and some wood on top of the roof of your garage. Right. And the wood was rotting and falling apart and it was just in really bad shape. It looked pretty bad and it was, the railing was falling down. And so that it just needed to be cleaned up before it was really very nice to use. Mm -hmm. So he's, yeah, he's replacing all that with composite. And I mean, it seems to be going okay, but it's uh, taking forever. And he's not fixing the railing, which is a bit of a frustration to me. And at this point I can't even ask him to, because it's taking him forever and he's working on it every day. And it's like, but I really wanted you to fix the railing because the railing's <laughs> falling down too. So here we are. But other than that, you know, my apartment has been awesome. And now that I am going back to the office, which is another life update, um, it's so convenient. It is. So the reason you see me biking so much is that I bike to the office almost exclusively. 
And it is about a nine minute bike ride to the office. And that's with a bunch of stoplights and stuff. So it's less than a mile and a half and it is just so convenient. And they have a bike storage area there and stuff. So having a bike and being able to bike to the office from my place is great. So less than 10 minute commute, really can't ask for much more. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Yeah, I knew you were contemplating. Uh, you weren't sure what you were going to do. Um, but it sounds like you got a pretty great place now, uh, commute wise, yeah, especially. And so that's cool. Uh, it has been optimal, yeah. What's it like being back in the office? It is surprisingly excellent. And part of it, it's funny because I talk to coworkers and they're like, well, I didn't sign up to go back in the first wave of people because I, I can't imagine like having to be there at nine and leave at five all the time. And I was like, or, and like go every day. And I was like, I don't know what made you think you would have to do that. You know, like I've been there since day one. I was in the very first wave and, and I've been there like three or four days a week, but I, if I don't feel like coming, I just don't. If I show up at 1 p.m., nobody cares. It's like, you know, I'll do work at home for a while and then show up whenever I want, go to the gym during the day. It's like, there's no, uh, we've totally broken the model of in-person working. So it's not like there's any expectations around specific times of showing up in person because nothing's happening in person. Mm -hmm. So that has been a total delight. Like today, I had to give a training in the morning. So I stayed here in the morning for a while. And then I went at lunchtime to work out and then showered and then went to the office for the afternoon, which is in the same building as the gym. And that's been so much nicer because going to the gym is infinitely more convenient now that I can actually stay in the building and work. So all, all excellent, strong reviews. And it's nice seeing people. We just had another group of people start yesterday. So now we're up to maybe like 15 of us or something. I wonder how you'll feel once it's at full capacity i will not i will not appreciate that yeah i'm sure that's the problem is it's Already, great when no one like, else is participating yeah well i like seeing people but there's a limit and also part of what's so fun about it is the people who are signing up to come back are like the kind of people who want to be back you know like there's yeah. a there's definitely a selection there of like it's mostly people around our age and people who enjoy having social connections at work and, you know, the last wave of people, or maybe they won't come back at all, are the people who don't enjoy having social connections at work and don't really want the social aspect at all. It's like, well, they're just extra people. <laughs> you know, they're just mm. like in the way at that point. So that's very different, I think. But so far, excellent. Yeah. Well, that's great. I'm glad I'm playing uh... basketball on the roof. Oh, that's, that's been super a, awesome. A nice twist. Yeah, there's a basketball hoop or a basketball court on the roof, and we've got a group together, and uh, it's very windy because it's on the 14th story of a building <laughs> in Chicago. But Yeah, I'm not sure how well that works. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Truth be told, that doesn't sound like an ideal situation. <laughs> no, it is ideal. No jump shots. We love that life. Uh, that's funny. Well, very cool. So I guess this means you got your second dose of the vaccine. Is that what I'm reading That is here? true. Oh, great transition. I was going to, yeah, I was going to bring up that other part of the follow-up topic or of the life update topic. So I put this in here because I wanted like a deliberately cryptic way to tell a funny story for the podcast. <laughs> but then you just uh, revealed it that you're... <laughs> no, this is, no, you oh, haven't gotten anywhere near the story yet. <laughs> uh, nowhere, nowhere close to the story. So a, a number of my friends have already heard this, but back in uh, the very end of April... I had some stomach pain for a couple days and, you know, no big deal. But it lasted long enough. It was like three days, I think, at this point. And I was like, you know, this is pretty weird. Like a significant amount of stomach pain. Should probably make a doctor appointment. So I went to my doctor. My doctor, 
is out of his mind. It's so hard to describe this guy. Have you seen Silicon Valley? Yeah, I've seen Silicon Valley. I haven't seen the okay. latest season, uh, but I've oh, seen... Oh, well, as long as you know that doctor that diagnoses Richard, who's like, well, you're probably going to die, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, like it, yeah. it's that guy. That's my doctor, except that he's 75. Um, <laughs> and I, it would just be hard to even begin to describe this guy. Not only did I realize he, like, really is kind of nuts... He's mostly deaf. He like quite often doesn't hear things that I say unless I make <laughs> eye contact with him. And it's very hard with masks on. He has to like toggle his hearing aids a bunch before he listens to my heart. It's like the whole thing is just, I can't believe this is happening. Um, and actually I feel obligated to continue being his patient because I think that if I were to switch doctors and someone with slightly less good health were to uh, have him, they would probably die. So I cannot take that risk. So he's really, really bad. And it will become clear as the story goes on exactly what I mean. <laughs> so anyway, try, I'll try to move along a little faster. So I'm, I'm three days into this and I make an appointment for the next day. One great thing about him, highly available. Not surprising. <laughs> uh, make an appointment for the next day, show up there. And he's like, yeah, you know, it's a little weird, but it's stomach problems. You know, I mean, he couldn't hear anything I was saying. So it's not clear that I really did get all the information across to him. But he was like, oh, it's fine. You know, like it's probably fine. He was like... You know, there's a number of things I suppose it could be. Like the most serious ones, you're going to end up in the emergency room. He was, so he was like, why don't... Yeah, so he was like, let's make a follow-up appointment for Monday. And he said, well, it'll probably go away. And if it does, cancel the appointment. And if it gets worse, go to the emergency room. And he said, so I'm almost definitely not going to see you on Monday. And I was like, <laughs> why are we doing this? What's going on? Um, so it did... I uh, get a little better for one day and then get quite a bit worse the next day. But it wasn't bad enough that I was going to go to the ER. I was like, it's not, you know, I can survive this. I, it is not a true emergency because I can make it. And so I, I scheduled a follow-up that Monday and I went back. And he was like, well, you know, I have no idea what it could be. And he like literally said, I have no idea what it could be. And he said, well, why don't we get you a CT scan? And he said a couple other things along the way. Um so then he's like, well, we need to probably to like make sure you're, I guess there's like an iodine test or something to make sure you can have an, a yeah. CT scan. There's like all this. So he was like, well, first we need to do that. And then he looked at his watch and he was like, oh yeah, I guess we're like cutting it pretty close on uh, if you'll have time for the iodine scan. And then he went on to tell me like three more stories. That's all he does. He tells stories. That's the other day or the other day. So I went for a follow-up after this whole thing, which I will explain. And he, he retold me the same story he told me the first time about a guy. And this is the kind of reassuring stuff you want. When I walked in there with a stomach problem, he was like, I knew a guy who ate a pig's ear once and it punctured his intestine. And, and we took him into the hospital, but he tried to leave and he died. <laughs> I thought this is truly the reassuring doctor that everyone would want. Also, oh man, I, there's just so much for this doctor. I don't know. Oh he's really like a caricature. It's hard to believe he's real. Uh, he also told me recently that he misdiagnosed his wife with appendicitis when it turned out that she had a gallbladder infection, which is, again, very, very Yeah, that's situation. not a story you should tell your patients. Not the best. Uh, so anyway, he was like CT scan. And then he almost ran out of time before the office closed, just telling me stories. At one point, we talked about Evita, the musical. And by we, I mean he. He <laughs> talked about it for quite a while. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. 
I've never heard anything like this. I've it's, never heard anything like this. It's wild, Greg. I can't express it. I tell it to some people and they kind of think I'm joking. Yeah. It's like, I know I'm making it sound funny, but it is funny. It's unreal. This guy is, it's hard to believe it he It sounds does. like it's right out of like a TV Yeah, show. it really It's does. ridiculous. But so on the first appointment, the humor was not lost on me. But by the second appointment, I was in great pain. And I, I was like just <laughs> sitting there kind of grimacing. And I was like, I know you are having a great time, but I am dying. Please resolve this. So he gets my iodine test and he's like, okay, so we will check the results tomorrow and then make you a CT scan. They will like schedule it for you. So they never call me back the next day. And I call them at 2 p.m. And they're like, oh yeah, we're about to close for the day. And I was like, well, but what about my scan? Like somebody had to check this so I could get a scan. And they were like, oh yeah, Dr. Bartman's not in today. And I was like, what? (laughs) I was like, I need this immediately. I'm going to die. So... In the end, out of frustration and pain, I called my insurance company and I like described it and they were like, oh yeah, we highly recommend you go to the ER. So I did. Thank goodness. Got insurance clearance. So it turned out my appendix burst. <laughs> Regrets. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Uh, so not, uh, my, my doctor thought that I would have been in the ER by then, but I was not. I guess I should have been. And so I ended up in the hospital for a few days. So that was when I got my second dose. And that's when I had chicken tenders for lunch. <laughs> and uh, it was really a great time. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're okay, and I see you. <laughs> I see the joke now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, I spent like five days in the hospital. Because, yeah, it was a long time, because what they do is, I guess like burst is sort of a relative term. Uh, they, they have a, an official term for it, and I think uh, perforated. Um, but I guess what happens is if it gets really infected, um, then you can have, like it gets punctured in some way. Uh, and then they can't do surgery and remove it. And they just give you IV antibiotics until it goes down. And so I was pretty much fine after maybe 24 or 36 hours, like maybe a little bit feverish and weak, but mostly fine. But they just keep you there until they know you can handle oral antibiotics and then they release you. So I was there for quite a while. Um, and it was, uh, it was a real adventure because I was like back to normal for days. And it was like staying in an incredibly strange hotel room that you couldn't leave very much. I could right. like go walk the hallways and that was it. And I could walk the hallways with my, you know, like right. IV stand. Yeah. So, I, but it was funny cause I was in street clothes. The whole thing was just bizarre. It was so weird. I like called into some work meetings <laughs> cause I, I had nothing to do. I had nothing to do. Far be it for me to be like, let me do some more work. But I was like, I got nothing going on. And like that meeting sounds kind of interesting. I should probably listen in. <laughs> So it was, it was from my hospital bed. Oh my gosh. It was so funny. Somebody asked me about it. Yeah. So did they remove your appendix or? No, no. I get to do that in the fall. Okay. Yeah. Apparently you can leave it in now. So I'm curious what you think of this statistic. I won't, I won't give any further details about it. So they say, you know, a meaningful number of people now elect not to have surgery. Um, The rate of recurrence of appendicitis, if you do not have surgery is 40% within five years. Okay, so 60% don't? Uh, yes, so I guess within the first five years, 60% do not Will have not another have case. Yeah. Will not have appendicitis a second time. Yeah. Interesting. Any reaction? I mean, my, I guess I, I don't know. This feels like a really interesting one. I don't, hang on, let me think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Should be an interview question at work. Yeah. Yeah, it's no, you're right. Um, so the likelihood that you're gonna get appendicitis again over the next five years. Now, what are complications that can occur from the surgery? 
I guess that's really what you need to know. Excellent question. All, almost, apparently almost none. It's about as routine as it gets. There are some, but extremely low. So then why wouldn't you get the surgery? Yeah, just the the pain and inconvenience. You're like out of commission for a month, kind of. You like can't do serious stuff for a month, basically. Okay. For one month. Versus getting... And then appendicitis. It can kill you. In theory, yeah. But you just need antibiotics. And you got to stay in the hospital yeah. for a few days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eat chicken tenders. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose I would... At first, my first gut reaction is, okay, well, this is a little less than a coin flip that you're going to get appendicitis again over uh, the next five years. So it's not exactly equal odds, but it's pretty close. Um, so then in that regard, you're I kind of lean towards, uh, don't remove it. But knowing that there's basically, there's really low likelihood of, a, of an adverse outcome from getting the surgery, then it just seems like you should get the surgery and ensure that you can't get this i mean would would you want to get appendicitis when you're on like a vacation or something or doing you know what <laughs> I, I mean would not. no it could just come up at a really terrible time you never know that's true what so it's thoughts? interesting to hear your reasoning okay so my reasoning was quite different actually so okay. here here's my angle so as soon as i heard that statistics i was i couldn't believe it because 40% in 5 years I was going to say what would be like 10 or 15 years. Yeah, we don't have longitudinal data data on it, I guess. But to me, it would be very clear if this were recurring in everybody exactly one year from now. Like mm -hmm. if we knew like it either recurs in one year or you never get it. Right. But this implies that it is distributed somewhat over the five years, mm -hmm. which also implies that it is distributed past the five years. Right. So like well, the actual odds are necessarily higher than that. The way that they're phrasing it, that is the implication, but it may not be true. You could look at the distribution, it and it might be that most of the people get it in the first year. And then only. But I think we. My impression is there is not longitudinal data on it because not removing appendices is quite new. Right. That's my understanding. But I have done limited research, and I will do a little more before I decide absolutely. Mm -hmm. But. Yeah, so that, that was my reasoning. I was like, it's it's got to go. Also, a part of the story I omitted was that I, and I should have mentioned this because in some ways it's funny, but also it was just terrible. It's like one of one of the most miserable days I can ever remember. I spent eight hours in the emergency room and it was like at some point in there probably when my appendix burst, but it was terrible. And the whole time I was like, I'm going to kill my doctor. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Know? But there's no, there's no faster way in. Like if you have it again... You're just like, I have appendicitis, I have to go to the emergency yeah. room. And I did not realize how poorly run emergency rooms are. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, total disaster. And so that, like, I would do anything to avoid that. I was oh, like, yeah. if it were a 10% chance of recurrence, it would be. If yeah. it were 5%, I'd probably have the same. Yeah, the way so. more I think about it, actually, 40% seems really, really high. It does seem really, really high. Yeah, because in the general population, it's not like a person who's never had it is at a 40% risk. Right. So it implies that you are at way higher risk. risk. And that's just five years. It could be. Yeah. I intend to live slightly longer than five yeah, years. Not yeah. much. <laughs> I Yeah, I would say remove it. I mean, there seems to be some trend in medicine, and this is me really just yeah. speaking off the cuff, so I don't really know what I'm talking about, but away, I know shying away say, from surgeries. Yep. And for better or for worse, like that maybe that's the right move for some conditions. This does not sound like one of them to me. Yeah. Well, this, I agree. Yeah. It does seem like in general, the more evidence we get, the more we seem that non-interventionist approaches are, are better, especially non-invasive. Mm -hmm. um, but there has been 
anybody who's had appendicitis in the last few years would be very familiar with this. There has been a significant innovation in um, appendix removal surgeries called laparoscopic surgery. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that may be a general term for other things too, but it's just that they make like tiny incisions yes. and they're able to do it with minimal invasiveness. Yeah. So in theory, I guess you could be out of the hospital the same day. Like you're not even there overnight. So sounds like fun. Yeah. Hopefully I get some more chicken tenders to go. <laughs> yeah. It'll probably be super routine. I bet you they send you on your way the same day. Uh, yeah. The laparoscopic, I'm not sure I'm saying that correctly. Surgery is incredible. I have a funny story about that. Um, so when I was in high school, I thought I might go into medicine, some type of medicine, like be a nurse or perhaps a doctor or something. Yeah. And because of that, I ended up having this opportunity to go to, I believe it was Johnson and Johnson. It might be a different one though, a biomedical, biomedical engineering facility where they were, they make all kinds of crazy stuff, right? Like knee replacements and probably way more advanced, crazy things. But one of the things that we saw when we were on their, on the tour and they told us about, which we were in high school. So like we didn't have any real formal background and understanding like the medical information they were trying to pass on to us. These are like industry. These are people. They're experts in the industry of medicine and engineering. And so they're like, yeah, we're working on like this revolutionary. And for context, this was. 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. They're like, we're working on this, uh, you know, like, like, I can't speak laparoscopic surgery innovation. And it's like, we're going to be able to do all kinds of new surgeries that we could never do before. I had never even heard these terms. And so they tell us all about it, how to be credible. And then they rolled out this simulation machine that they use to, Oh, uh, I guess, demo it to doctors and surgeons. And it's like this, machine right with a giant screen on it and then in front of it are just these uh kind of like claw grabbers right like like uh you know what i'm talking about where you might want to reach something high so you oh yeah, this thing yeah. around it kind of mm. looks like those are sticking out of the machine <laughs> and the machine represents a human body that these would be in. so it's like these you know thin metal poles that would go into small incisions and then inside are these little clamps right but like one of them's a clamp and one of them's like uh you can change it out. You can change it out for whatever you need. But I think by when I was, they let us demo it. They let us play with it. And the, uh, the one I had was like, a, a, a what would you call it? A cauterizing tool. Mm. So you make an mm. incision to like remove something and then there's bleeding. So you cauterize it and prevent, stop the bleeding. And I literally had no idea what I was looking at. And what I was doing. <laughs> so I'm looking at this thing and it's like just this red mass, like, you know, vi- like a computer simulation of the inside of a human body. And I'm supposed to like remove their appendix or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I was there trying, I was like trying to make incisions and do things. And it's not a video game though. It's supposed to be like a real life. Sim- nothing's coaching me and directing me like yeah. with colorful imagery to say, this is where you cut. And suddenly it's like, they're bleeding. It was, like, <laughs> it was like getting out of control. And I started trying to cauterize everything. And it was like, really te- like I was doing a terrible job. I'm damaging this person's internal organs. Uh, it was hilarious. It was like one of those vivid memories I just uh, have from my. So why didn't you choose to go into medicine? Yeah. <laughs> I knew that day. I was like, this isn't for me. This isn't for me. Uh, What a bad idea for high school students. I know. That's what I look back. Like if we were like medical students or like just even like medical, like an undergrad, nursing, uh, 
biomedical engineer, pre-med, whatever, it would make way more sense. But a bunch of high schoolers who were just thinking about yeah. going into medicine, they it was it was ridiculous. I mean, it was super cool. It's an interesting experience, but yeah, clearly. Uh, Oh, I'll probably never forget that. It was so funny. I was like murdering this thing. And I'm like jamming these things all around in the machine trying to fix all the damage I'm causing. Oh, man. Cauterize everything. Yep. Oh, that is funny. Wow. Well, so just to let you know, you know, there's probably been massive. Yeah, if I need things. surgery, I'll ask you to see if you're busy that day. Uh, well, that's, I'm, that's really my life updates, man. We've covered everything. The appendix thing was... Quite the adventure. Man. And also, actually, it does lead into one other thing. Sorry, were you going to say something? I'm just saying that was huge. Like, I had no idea because you didn't tell me. I had yeah, no you idea just you were in, in the hospital. the hospital real fast. Don't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it was, uh, it was funny because it sort of taught me a lesson. I mean, I knew this lesson about myself, but reinforced the lesson about me. I am a, a real procrastinator. And I was teaching, I was scheduled to teach a course on web scraping at uh, a college that I teach at. And, you know, I was like, you know, I'll save it kind of till the last minute, but in the last few weeks beforehand, I'll start getting to work and it'll get a lot easier. And then I was in the hospital for almost a week during the time I was supposed to be prepping the course. I was like, I did not anticipate having appendicitis right before this. That was a bit of a (laughs) twist. And then, of course, when you get out of the hospital, you haven't been really moving for days and you like had a serious infection. So I was dead tired for days. I was like going for a walk and then going home and taking a nap. And I was like, I do not have the energy to go work on this stuff. So it led to now this just ended this last weekend, but probably like some of the busiest three weeks I can ever remember. Maybe my busiest three weeks since college, honestly, of just like every day I was working on this class, which was good for me. It's good, good uh, exercise and discipline and everything. But yeah, it was like, it's been a wild couple months, but I don't have much else that happened because those took up all my time. Yeah. Yeah. I know you've been crazy busy with the class. I just assumed it was a, I don't know, new course or something. Cause I know you had material, you've yeah, had material for was, the classes yeah. and stuff. Uh, but yeah. now this makes a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this was a new course, though. So it was all developing the new stuff. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. But it's nice that's done. Yeah. Yeah, the only other things I've been doing are, and I had this on here, Summer Sports or Life. I, I found a Frisbee group, which I love and I go to all the time. And I've been playing basketball on the roof. So it's that's great dope. to have sports back. Great. Very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I've been enjoying the NBA playoffs. They've been interesting and heartbreaking. Yeah, they have been really fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've been, this is probably the most exciting early rounds of bat, of NBA playoffs that we've had in years. You uh, think so? I really liked last year's first round as well. Yeah, I feel like last year was a turning point, but this is a further confirmation of like, we have a lot more parity in the league than we have in the past. Yeah, maybe The past so. few yeah. years, in in my opinion. Um, even Yeah, I feel like even more so now, I guess. Well, the past think, couple nights have been have sort of changed my thinking on this. Coming into the second round, I was thinking, "Wow, the league a has a lot of parity, and like the front runners are they can't even get out of the first round necessarily." And so, yeah, that's sort of my thoughts, I guess. Yeah, I yeah the the last couple of days have been not great. So we're in the middle of the second round for context for anybody listening. But the the first round this year was good, but I. The most competitive, some of the most competitive series I was not super interested in, so like Knicks-Hawks didn't yeah. really care about. Um, but Clippers-Mavs was very good. Very, very good. Probably even better than last year's, yep. which was great. I watched all of it last year. But last year we also had 
Nuggets Jazz, which was phenomenal. Might that be was. like my favorite series, not considering like what round it was. One of my favorite series ever. Um, and what else have we had this year? Yeah, Bucks Heap is a blowout this year. Yeah. Uh, Sixers Wizards, nobody cared. Mm-hmm. Celtics Nets, terrible. The East, yeah, the East was really bad. The West was pretty good though. The West and now was it's good. disappointing because is. it looks like Nets Bucks is going to be bad too, which is yeah. so surprising and very sad. I really am perplexed by by that. Series. I am too. I am too. Yeah. I feel like everybody was. Re- I mean, last night Vegas gave the Bucks the were the favorites. On the yeah, line. I saw slight favorites, but they were. Yeah, which is wild. I mean, considering how it all played out, right? How it played out, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would have made them the favorites as well. Me too. Me too. I thought for sure they were going to come back and win that game. Like, come out and play really hard and win. Yeah. It just seems that the Bucks cannot get over their playoff. Um, I don't understand it. Yeah, it is. I don't get it, is it either. I don't get it either. I thought that this year's Bucks team is the best one that yeah. since I've been a fan. True Holiday. Man, True Holiday. fun to watch. Yeah. Yep. And they got a couple guys off the bench or sometimes – you know, in the starting five, PJ Tucker, Bobby yeah. Portis, like these are these are really valuable contribution, like adds to the system that they had in place. I thought that they were going to be, um, I thought they were the front runners to come out of the East. Yeah, and that was my opinion. I'm a, I'm biased, but I really did. I thought the net obviously the Nets were going to be their biggest challenge, but once James Harden was like out and. I thought, okay, they can really win this. And that has been the... Yeah, been totally it's so wrong. surprising, man. Who knows, though? It, I mean, it really could turn, but it, it does not look like it. It does not look like it's a huge blowout. I don't think yeah. they're going to turn around. I have a I have a feeling they're done. Like, they're just mentally not going to get it over a 50-point defeat. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I hope so, to save that. The West remains really good, though. Yeah, it does. Like, uh, I'm super excited for Clippers Jazz. I... Ugh. They start so late, but I will probably reorganize my schedule specifically to watch Clippers Jazz the next few mm-hmm. weeks. I think the Suns and the Nuggets are going to be good too. This is good for yeah. Game. That was a pretty good game last night. Yeah, yeah. It is so nice to be like done with my class now because now I can feel guilt free moving my schedule around and just like watching NBA games at night. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I forget. Have, have we talked about Dunked on the podcast? You, we have a little bit. Yeah. Okay. If, Do you listen to it? I don't. Okay, so they they do live broadcasts of games, and they will like do their commentary instead of announcers, and it that is like legitimately I clear my schedule for it unless I have a real problem. Um, that it's so much better than the commentators, and so <laughs> when they do games, I just like block it on my calendar and I make sure that I'm gonna gonna be around for it. I should but do that. that. That has been really fun. I should do that for this point from this point forward. The in-game announcers the- are always. Yeah, I kind of forgot that I usually watch games on mute because sometimes I'll like turn on the game and forget to mute it and be like, who are these people? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, typically on mute if I can. But now in the playoffs, I'm not always. I do actually pay attention. Yeah. But yeah, the NBA has been good. It's just the East is not. The East is not. I guess you're right in that the first round, the East didn't have much parity. The West had parity, a more competitive series. But I feel that the second, I felt like the second round and the, the third rounds were going to have a lot more parity in the East. I thought. I thought so too. Yeah. Because yeah. it feels there are three top teams in the East. Well, so we thought, right? Bucks, yeah. 76ers, and the Nets. Um, but yeah, the fourth team won the first game. So mm-hmm. who knows? With Embiid, there have been a lot of injuries this year. It's that's true point. too. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know. 
Hopefully it gets better. Hopefully it gets better. Well. Okay. Um, Looking dejected about the Bucks. I am. I'm, I'm bummed. I'm bummed out by it. It's just, you know, each year I come in and I'm like, this is going to be the year. This is going to be the year. That they, <laughs> and last year I thought for sure. I was like, man, they're going to beat the Heat for sure. They'll wipe the floor with them. And then they go Bad. and lose four to one. Like, come on. And then, I mean, the Nets are not an easy matchup by any means, but the team is better. And I thought they would at least be competitive. It should have been two blowouts in a row. Yeah. I don't know what it comes it's, down to. Like, is it coaching? Is it players? Like, at this, yeah, it's so, so been, unclear to me what's going on with Me them. too. Yeah. I've been a staunch <clears throat> defender of Giannis and his playoff struggles. I'm like, he's young. Every player goes through this. You know, it takes time to develop. It takes time. you got to have reps. Like, making it into the second and the third rounds of the playoffs is still impressive and valuable, but... It's getting to the point now, like, especially with these blowouts, like, you're not even competitive. If you lost 4-0, but every game was competitive, it'd be one thing. But if you're losing by 50 yeah. points, and you got, I think he had 18 points last night, and under, you single-digit rebound, single-digit assists, and he just looked, like, shut out. And, uh, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, he's still obviously a great player, but when it comes to the playoffs, you're, like, you yeah, know, it's very discouraging yes. for his future. Yeah, mm-hmm. I still think there's a chance for it to change, but yeah, it does not look good. I think there might be some serious coaching troubles as well. Right. I am not. I am not an expert. I will not offer oh, too much commentary. I'm not either, but it's easy to armchair. <laughs> it is. But Luca, your relationship with the Bucks is a little. Yeah, I was just gonna bring up the Mavs. I was gonna say it's a little bit like mine with the Mavs, except the Mavs. I don't follow them during the season and get hopeful. Instead, it's just they really get my hopes up in the series against the Clippers. Two years in a row I did now. Too. It's so fun. I thought they were going to do it. I was, I was yeah. like, Luca's going to do it. Luca is going to, he's going to beat him. But he just, he didn't have enough. He needs yeah, help. It, he needs help yeah. so bad. They probably, I don't know how sustainable that offense is for them to be a truly elite team. Like, every game he fades at the end, it's just too much. Like right. A, it, even more than LeBron running some of the Cavs teams. It's like yes. <laughs> literally 100% Percent. of the offense comes from him when mm-hmm. he's on the floor. It's almost to the point, too, where they can't even operate. They can't operate when he's not on the floor. And when they're no, on, when yeah, he's on the floor, really everybody's just looking at him, even on yeah. his own team. It's just not – it's unsustainable for sure. But it creates some awesome – Games. It does create some really fun basketball. Yeah. yeah, really, really fun. And he shows up like, so crafty. Yeah, his. I've I've really enjoyed watching his game and trying to absorb a little of it into mine. I'm like, oh, he's like in terms of like players on the floor, he's like an average sized player with decent strength. Mm-hmm. It's like, could I do some of that like slow bounce to the rim and then just like very casually yep. bounce back and forth and then finally shoot a fade away? So I, I did do. I had a one on one game with a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago where I like tried to play Luca ball and it was really fun. <laughs> I was not very good at it, but it was really fun. Yeah, Luca's. I feel that if you're going to model your game after somebody, Luca's one to certainly study because he doesn't rely on athleticism. Yeah. He, or like bursts of speed or change of direction, all that stuff. He is really a methodical player. He plays at his own pace. He understands the game. He understands the angles at a level for someone who's as young as he is. It's really, really impressive. He does have some things that are going to be hard to emulate just out of the box, though. Like his yep, touch that's of it what I is like about. Yeah. his floater. I've told you about it before. Like the Doncic floater. I mean, it was just on display. He 
comes out it's of those just pick 100% and shot. He never every misses time. It. it doesn't even really look like a shot. I know. It just kind of looks like he drops the ball in yep. and he's like 10 feet away uh-huh. every time. And yeah. he just comes off those pick and rolls real slow and he puts his arm back and he's just holding the guy back. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, okay, now it's time. And he just, he just, Oh, his touch is so incredible. That thing, though, that I do think would be very learnable, where you hold somebody behind you. Oh, for you. sure. That, that is one thing oh, you could man, learn. So crafty. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's but a veteran. I do think to set up... It's veteran. Yeah. It's like next it is, level. Yeah. He's like not even looking to drive on those. When he decides, he's like, okay, yeah. I'm going to come around this pick. I know they're going to follow me because I'm just I'm deadly. And I'm just going to wait and put them on my back. And then I'm just yeah. going to, I'm going to maestro this whole situation. The center's going to panic or they're going to drop back too far and I'm going to drop a floater in. He's just incredible. Yeah. That is the thing though. It, it, when you said he's deadly, like that's so key. I have noticed that that will be a problem if I like really try to play like that all the time because people will drop off. You. Oh yeah. Like the one part of Luca's game that I do think scales really well is if you are fairly strong you can just kind of like mosey your way into the paint and just kind of like pump fake and bounce around a little bit and then drop it in but other parts it's like oh this would be really hard without a devastating game from every part of the floor mm-hmm. like you need to be like if you leave me open i will shoot every time right uh, and i am not at that level exactly <laughs> yeah yeah i know i hear you i think where you're i agree like he his game starts with his shot ability his ability to shoot isolation on his own is sort of the key that unlocks the rest of it. If he didn't have that, he wouldn't be as, uh, as great as he is at this point. Um, but I do think there's a ton you can learn off of just watching him run the pick and roll. Yes. I mean, it's him and like, like the Mount Rushmore basketball point guards that can run the pick and roll at that level. He's so good at it. Yeah, it really is true. Yeah. And the, yeah, I love how he I always watch. just plays at his own pace too. Like Jokic yeah. is another player that I think of when I'm like, he does. No one dictates to him how he wants to play. Like the ball's in his hand, and he controls the pace of the game. A lot of point guards get sped up. They get yeah. They 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 move. Well, to, I think it's about size, right? Like it's no coincidence because having that size means that you can hold people off. Like pressure does not affect you nearly as much. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing about both Luca and Jokic. It's like with that level of size, nobody's going to pressure you in the same way that they can with somebody smaller. And when people double Luca, he just has such good vision; it's ineffective. Right. He's so much higher than them. Yeah, and his understanding of the angles, like he'll make passes that you don't even, you wouldn't even see. You don't even see him. Yeah. It's incredible. It really is. Yeah. Uh, man, Luka's I tried amazing. to emulate Jokic the other day when we were playing basketball on the roof and. Uh, Man, I, you know, I'm like holding court in the post. It's it's so great because nobody's taller than me. There's like one other guy about the same size, but there's nobody tall that comes. And so it's like, oh, yeah, like I'm the center, you know. And so just catch the ball at the elbow and like start to turn around. And I saw somebody cut behind me and I just like nice little touch pass <laughs> right out of bounds. Oh, right past funny. them. Not even close. <laughs> I was like, this is going to look so good. And they were already two feet away. That's hilarious. Uh. Yeah. And... Uh, talking about Jokic, man, his shot is so pure. It's incredible. Yeah. He just he barely jumps off the ground. It's so weird. Just, yeah, I don't oh. I don't know if pure is the word I would use, but it is just so coordinated. I cannot get over the coordination that goes into something like that. Yeah, I think it's pure because it's just this huge, like this rainbow shot, and it, it just is a rainbow, every time yeah. just no rim, nothing, just through the net. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. I have been, uh, you know, just because I don't shoot enough, and we've talked about this a little bit, my shooting form changes a lot. 
And recently I've been on a Kawhi shooting stretch where like I'm totally shooting these super backspinny flat shots mm-hmm. and gra- you know like grabbing the ball and just like <laughs> just ejecting it at the rim and I actually been shooting pretty well it's probably unsustainable but uh I was like this is not the way I would teach someone to shoot but it seems to be working so I'm going to stick with it for the time being yeah man and Kawhi Leonard he was devastating he the last couple me. games right but I know he, I just had to appreciate it. I wanted I wanted the Mavs to win I was rooting for Luka yeah same but man his mid-range it's it's incredible he just doesn't yeah. miss and it's like as soon as he pulls up you're like he's that's point yeah and he gets point. so much separation he on does. the jump and the fade mm-hmm. yeah it's really really impressive oh. also a good game to emulate in certain respects but the shooting level it's so funny because he couldn't shoot when he came in the league but now it's like his pure shooting level is so high that it's almost like it's not translatable to a regular human's game nobody can make <laughs> most of those shots at, at any high percentage i agree with that I mean, I believe that shooting is something you can learn to do. Like, of all the, and as an, with an NBA prospect, if your shooting is subpar, I've always thought, okay, you can be coached on that. You can learn how to shoot better. You can learn where on the floor you can take your shots and pick and, like, just be better, be more efficient. Uh, but there's, like, a limit to that. Like, there's a ceiling yeah. to how much improvement you have if you're just a normal player. And Kawhi is not that. Like he has, he's at this level now that it's just, uh, yeah, it's top. I wonder so much about what goes into shooting, though, right? Because like some players never improve, even with really good coaching staffs that have improved a lot of shooters. Like it just seems like a thing we don't understand very well. That is true. Like is it is it just coordination? Then why do some people start so poor and have such dramatic gains? Yeah. Did they never practice before? Is it a seems like there's so much in it? Yeah, I don't know what it is. I know like Ben Simmons is kind of a case study at this point where it's like why has he not learned how to shoot it's yeah exactly and where's where yeah although it does seem like with him actually now the more as i said that initially but now i think more and it's like i do feel like there are regularly some reports that he doesn't really care very much like i feel like there's some very negative reporting about his work ethic on shooting shooting specifically but a lot of things it is no I mean, props to Ben Simmons for getting to like elite level basketball and being unable to shoot at all. It is unreal. It's incredible that, that he was yeah. able to accomplish that. But Although he, it makes no sense because he should be a center. It's just it seems so clear to me. I like agree. he should be on another team and he should be playing center and he would be one of the most unbelievable centers. Like I could see big that. enough or to power defend forward them. of some, well, I mean, power forwards now play a lot in the perimeter, so yeah. Um But he like really is big enough to defend centers and he's as fast as a point guard. Like yeah. he would be unguardable it just is so confusing to me well Embiid's the center that's what yeah but he should be yeah I mean mean, people have talked about him not being on that team but nobody ever talks about how he should go play center for like play backup center for the Suns I know like he could start a power forward or something but it's like that attack would be crazy like no cross matches it wouldn't even matter there's just nobody on the other team who could guard him at all it is strange that you say he doesn't want to learn how to shoot or he has a bad attitude about it or whatever I mean that's so weird I mean, some people say he should shoot with his other hand, which yeah. is incredible. <laughs> that you're like, he is legitimately like a uh, uh, an all star level talent in the NBA, and he can't shoot. And people are saying yeah. he should shoot with his other hand. It's remarkable. Um, yeah, it is crazy at this point in basketball. It is really crazy. But also, he has really nice touch on post ups, and he has an mm-hmm. incredible, like, incredible handle. He's got to be a really, really, really coordinated guy. 
So it's just very puzzling. Again, it's like, what goes into shooting? Yep. How can you be so coordinated at these other things? Yeah, maybe it is his hand or something. But it's interesting you say that, too, because you're right, he does have a really great handle. And Steph Curry has said that yeah. his his philosophy on, the shoot, on shooting is it starts with a handle. Like, before you should even practice shooting, you should be practicing dribbling and getting an incredible handle on the ball. And from that, you will build your ability to shoot. And... In this case, that's not true because he can yeah. do those things. I admit I'm fairly skeptical of that. I think that's like very true of a combo guard, but not true of like Danny Green couldn't dribble for years and he was a great shooter. Like that was the thing. He just caught the ball and shot mm-hmm. and and Clay Thompson is kind of the same. So I think that it, it is true of a very specific type of shooter, the off the ball shooter, but it's not clear it's true for all these people who just stand in the corner like pj tucker literally just stands in the corner and only shoots from there nowhere yeah. else on the floor so i guess it's, it's not, not saying like yeah i suppose you're right well i don't know ben simmons is one of the real interesting players Mysteries of the nba yeah, yeah. he's just I like agree. and at this point it's i think he's still net positive to the 76ers but in some situations he's a negative for sure like in yeah. their half court offense it's really like it's hey, yeah. limited when he and Embiid are on the floor at the same time. The one positive, if they lose in this round because Embiid is hurt, is that they will trade Simmons. And I really want them on different teams. Like, they're interesting, but they don't. They they're both have. players I really like watching, but I do not want them on the same team. Mm-hmm. I really want Ben Simmons playing center. It is so puzzling to me why nobody else wants him playing center. It would be so fun to have him playing center. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. He, they should send him to the Bucks. Yeah, perfect, perfect. That actually would not be a really No, that would work really Giannis well. Supplement yeah. rim protection, yeah. <laughs> well, what should we wrap up with? Maybe WWDC or uh, what is Bo Burnham's inside? Yeah, let's talk about that. I have to talk to okay. about it because I haven't really talked about it with anybody else yet. Okay. So do you know who Bo Burnham is? The name sounds familiar, but I could not tell you. Yeah, he's a comedian, and he's started out on youtube a long time ago and then he did some specials on netflix and he stopped but then he stopped a few years ago making stuff he 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 just stopped and so this is his first he made a new special that is on netflix and it's called inside and i don't want to talk tell too much about like what it is exactly because it you really should just experience it for yourself but um i found it to be really interesting and compelling and it's unlike anything i've ever watched now Hmm. i got a caveat that with saying i am a fan of bo burnham like i've watched all of his other work i think he's really funny i think he's a really um thoughtful comedian like his style and his humor really jives well with me and right comedy is really subjective so uh i'll just put that out there but it's so it's just unlike anything I've ever seen before. So if you have Netflix and you have an hour and a half, I say check it out. Mm. I don't have Netflix. I do have an hour and a half. <laughs> I'll consider it. <laughs> I'm very excited for... Um, I guess I probably haven't talked to you since I watched... Is that true? Yeah, I probably haven't talked to you since I watched Ted Lasso. Uh, yeah. Potential potential new favorite show, Ted Lasso. Yeah, have new season's it? coming out. Yeah, I watched season one. It was really good. Yeah. Really I good. loved it. I yeah. loved it too. It, I like. I will it. probably rewatch it before the second season comes out, which I only do with my very favorite shows. Like I, I do that with Sherlock. That was the one thing where it was like I rewatched all the past seasons whenever a new show came out. Mm. But I might do that with Ted Lasso. It was great. Yeah, it's like surprisingly good. 
Like it'll catch yeah, you off guard. It could, yeah, it most certainly did. I thought it was just going to be goofy funny, but it also it is also heartwarming, oh, yeah. and it is there's like a real plot too. It's like it's just so so fun. And Ted Lasso, very like, uplifting. You gotta love him as a character. I do. He's so admirable. <laughs> yeah, it's like I want to be Ted. Exactly. Did you see the thing they did at uh, the last Apple event where they like started to show the recipe for the biscuits? Uh, uh-uh, I didn't see that part. So apparently, I've heard about this a couple times, but I missed it live. Apparently, at the end of the credits, they like rolled credits at the end of, I think it was the iPad announcement. Um, and they rolled some credits. And then at the very end, it was like uh, Ted Lasso's biscuit recipe. And it like showed a couple ingredients and started to scroll. And then it just stopped and mm. cut. That was like the end of the feed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because for anybody who hasn't seen it, like a, a central aspect of the show is Ted brings these really good biscuits to a boss who's really mean to him, basically, just to be nice. And. Uh, she always asks him where he buys them, but actually he bakes them at home with his own recipe. And so that was supposed to be the spoiler of like, where is or what is the recipe he's using to mm-hmm. bake these? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely be watching season two when it comes out. I think it comes out next month. Yeah. Yeah. We're finally getting close. It was so disappointing when I found out there was only one season. It was only eight episodes. Crushing. Yeah, I agree. That's the new trend though. Like with all of the digital streaming service content, it's all, and you know, for, for better and for worse. I think it makes better shows because there's no filler. There's no fluff. Yeah, it's very, it's very, uh, it cuts, right? It, it cuts the chase. It's it's all the good stuff compact. But then you just get through it so quickly that it's yeah. a little disappointing. So, yeah. I mean, usually my policy is I don't watch things until they're totally over. But I broke that in this case and I greatly regretted it. Because then <laughs> I was like, it was a void in my life. Yeah. And then again, like... It's going to be 10 episodes or something for the next season. I know. Season. It'll be over so fast. It'll be I'll over so in a quick. day. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. Well, I guess we can continue on the WWD, WWDC because I can't say anything else about Inside because you just need <laughs> yeah, to go so watch I see. it. Yeah. I, did, I just had to tell you about it because <laughs> I want you to watch it really badly, but I'm afraid you'll hate it. Yeah. So awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Not having Netflix. It won't happen soon. So uh, no worries um, yet. So... I didn't watch WWDC. I just watched a recap of like some of the biggest Nor did stuff that's I. coming out. It turns out there are people who don't watch WWDC, which I only learned this year when someone scheduled a two-hour meeting with me over WWDC. I was like, this is like being asked to work on Christmas, but far worse. There's only <laughs> one WWDC, and it's only two hours. I was outraged. Uh, it was... It was <laughs> one of the greatest inconveniences I have experienced. I Would I rather have that or appendicitis? Not sure. <laughs> but I also read some recaps and have learned what happened. But uh, yeah, people have some strong feelings. It seems like a lot of good software updates. A lot of things that I will be excited about. But man, the lack of hardware, that was a real letdown. I'll say that the lack of hardware definitely let me down. But my only note here is that it feels like we're hitting a golden era, golden age of yeah. Apple software um, and Af- Apple software updates. <clears throat> um yeah, I'm curious why you say that. I say that only because in the recaps that I watch, like everything that was mentioned is either awesome, like I'm like, yeah, that sounds great, or with stuff I specifically had thought of or talked about in the past that I really wanted to see. The big one that I stood out to me was the new notification system. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure on this podcast, we've talked about it. Like I remember talking to you and saying, I think that, you know, iOS notifications are really terrible. That's not a unique opinion. And what I described was something like, I should be able to set hours to say like, 
from this time to this yeah, time. I think we have talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. Only these apps can notify me. Right. And then so you have like working hours and a leisure hours and then at night, nothing. And that's exactly what's happening. Is it's almost like exactly yeah. what I wanted. Now whether and they did that with widgets too, it was like exactly what people asked for yep. with widgets on the iPad. Yeah, it was like wow, Apple is actually just doing what people want them to, which right. is so unusual. And I have a feeling, and so I would say upfront, you know, maybe revisionist history. I don't, my memory might be wrong, but I feel like for a couple of years there were like just like kind of lackluster updates about the software, like nothing all that exciting, nothing all that innovative or interesting. Like everything was fine, but nothing was really exciting and the past two years have not have not been that at all and it's like they've re-established the foundation with the mac os ipad os ios updates and now it's like we're hitting this stride now where it's like the future updates coming are all going to be i don't know really impactful meaningful interesting things innovative stuff or just copying ideas from android but doing it better I hope so. I hope so. I'm very excited about the license on your phone. I am so much about the life where I don't have a wallet. I have been trying to make this happen for years. It is so... I'm so hopeful, but I also am very pessimistic. Yeah. I think that a lot of things won't accept an ID on your phone. Yeah. I know that they're working, right? They said in their their address. Yeah. They're already that working is one thing. With, with airlines yeah. or whatever. Um, That's one great thing about Apple. Like, they do push on a lot of other big players like they will push on even like state governments probably to get this kind of thing accepted which is nobody else can do that maybe google but that that kind of thing is a huge value agreed yeah that and then the thing that they announced now i forget what they call it the like seamless integration of moving your mouse and dragging icons across screens Mm -hmm. on multiple devices Mm -hmm. is well i i talked with a different friend about this um she said it it sounded really cool but i was like yes it does it's incredibly ambitious but it reminds me of sidecar and of airpods in that they're supposed to be really magical it's like yeah with sidecar you have the separate uh display that just your ipad becomes another display and everything works fine immediately and with airpods it's like yeah it just seamlessly switches devices without you ever knowing and i was like sounds so similar but both of those when they work, they're magic, and when they don't, they're infuriating. Yeah. And Sidecar had some huge bumps at the beginning, and AirPods still have pretty annoying issues. It's like, I would say 95% of the time, I love them, and 5%, it's like, this is a mystifying issue I cannot resolve. Maybe that number is going down. It's getting less frequent, but it still happens. And I feel like this is going to be the same, but it is so ambitious, I have to think it's going to be even buggier. Right. You're probably right about that. What's interesting is, on that point, is Apple takes their time with this stuff, right? They are, have been in the past sort of made fun of, lambasted about how long it takes them to do things that are on Androids for years. Yeah. So it has to meet some level of... No, that's definitely true, yeah. Like, a, like functionality to make it. But your point is, is, is true, though, that there's still a lot of bumps in the road. So I guess that just... Sort yeah, of but you're right. To... It won't be totally horrible. It never is. That is one great thing about Apple. Like you get the features when they think they're ready. They might not be totally ready, but they think they're at least like good enough to ship. Right. Which does not seem to be the pattern for Google. Google just ships everything, yeah. which has its own merits, but is not what I want. Right. I'm like so far removed from the world of Android that I can't even like wrap my head around how it functions because all of the manufacturers have their own skins. Yeah, so like, that sounds terrible. Right. So when like at Google does their, you know, 
I.O. update and they say, look at all the great things that are coming to Android. It's like, well, I don't even know when that's going to come to my phone. And how much of this stuff actually makes it through that process? Is it everything? Do some stuff get left behind? Oh, that's interesting. I thought all of it did. I, I guess I don't really have a good mental model of it, though. I don't know. I don't have a clue. Someday we will have to buy an Android device and no. expense it as part of this podcast for research. No. Well, it won't be Remember me. my Android tablet <laughs> I was going to get for a while? That did not happen. Yeah. I can't even... I mean, I seriously can't imagine doing that. It just seems I'm so far removed from that world. It's just yeah. easy. It's just like Apple's the source of truth. <laughs> and it is easier. I'll say it's so much easier. I, I worked on Windows a bit for the class I was teaching and like recorded some videos on Windows and just like had to make sure I knew how to get Python set up. And it was a nightmare. Ugh. Um, and like 50% of that is my fault and 50% is Microsoft's fault. I've decided. I've arbitrarily drawn that line. I've decided <laughs> that we both bear an equal amount of blame. <laughs> that's fair some of it was definitely microsoft's fault though i was like this continues to be a confounding mental model it's like oh yeah you can only run certain python commands in a specific type of shell because there's two shells on windows uh, ah i had forgotten right. they're two entirely different shells with nothing in common yeah no one knows what they do i recently had a friend who after much convincing switched from android to iphone oh, and yeah. when i say convincing it was just like you know, making jokes of like why iPhone's better and so on and so on. But eventually they just cracked and they were like, everybody I know has iPhone, so I'm going to get iPhone. And they went into it thinking they were not going to like it and sort of just had a negative disposition about the whole thing. And within a week, he was like totally a convert. He was like, wow, iMessage is the wild. greatest thing ever. And I'm like, I really? know. <laughs> I've wow, been trying that's to great. tell you. I feel like I rarely hear this story, but that is good. Yeah. I feel like people are usually so dug into their camps that even when they switch, they just complain about it. Like, I have some friends who are there mm -hmm. who aren't going to switch back. So it's pretty clear what they actually think. Right. But then they just complain about all the things. Yeah. yeah. Now, there are a few things that bug this person. And that's fine. You know, nothing's perfect. But it's clear that all the positives far outweigh yeah. the negatives in the situation. And... There's some specific pieces of software that are just so much better uh, in the iOS world. That's interesting. I should interview somebody on this. I would love to hear this. Yeah, and I think it's going to go as far as them actually getting an Apple a Mac computer. Um, they need to replace their computer. And I'm like, you know, they're, they're, they're looking out in the, the computer landscape, and there's nothing that can compete with the MacBook Air. Uh, at that yeah, price that point. is so true right now yeah. yeah and i'm like look you know you can do what you're gonna do you can you know you've you know windows so if you're comfortable with windows that's fine but you're not gonna find a better computer than the macbook yeah. air you're just not not at that price you were not gonna find it and uh, so that's the oh sorry finish yeah i'm just i think that is um they're convinced so we'll see what happens that's like the more typical way to go where you start by switching to apple phones and end up with apple laptops but the one that always confounds me is people who have the opposite arrangement. And I've had some people justify it. They're like, well, I find Apple computers more open than Windows, but Android phones more open than iPhones. And like, that is true, but it's just an odd metric to evaluate it on. And actually, Apple computers are increasingly not that open. So I'm not even sure that totally stands up. Mm -hmm. But the other day, somebody, somebody I know like fairly well, but not super well, like not enough to just be like, listen, you're, you're being dumb. You just got to get an iPhone, asked me, 
whether she should get AirPods if she has an Android phone and a Mac laptop. <laughs> and I was like, you're asking me about one of the greatest products I have ever used. Mm-hmm. Like, I go to bat so hard for the AirPods. I think they are magic. The AirPods Pro, the cornerstone of my life. And yet, with that arrangement of technology, I'm not sure I can recommend it. <laughs> I was like, they actually, they're, they're total magic between the phone and the iPad. But they're pretty glitchy on the Mac. You have to like mm-hmm. manually switch to them, and sometimes the connection doesn't work, and there's really nothing superb about using them with a Mac, where like they pause your music when you take them out of your ears with the phone. I don't even think they do that with the Mac, but a lot of interfaces on the Mac don't respond to that that API. You know, it's like if you have something playing in a back browser window, it's not gonna respond to you removing your AirPods regardless. And I was like, I I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm not sure that AirPods for you. Right. And I, I wanted to be like, but of course you should just get the iPhone. This would make your life so much better. Yeah, but you need a double upgrade. No, no. You need to just get the iPhone. That's no, true. With time. The... Yeah. I'm working on convincing people in more subtle ways. I need to, sometimes keeping your opinions to yourself can pay off in the long term. Something I tell myself, but struggle with. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> that, <laughs> um, I don't know what it was that com- eventually convinced this person to switch because they were really i mean they'd used android phones for years and were adamant that they wanted to use android like continue to use android but um there was certainly a network effect like yeah pretty much everybody they knew and interacted with had iphones and i feel that um uh maybe the thing that that pushed them over the edge was there was a um this is a they told they told me the story that they a new group chat got started with some other people that they know that I don't know them but they started a group chat and <laughs> they're like hey this is the chat for X sorry about the green bubbles it's it's so and so yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was like a uh, sort of like a shaming <laughs> yeah <laughs> well and also anybody who's used across iPhone Android MMS. Uh, is experienced that it is a disaster mm-hmm. like the syncing is all bizarre and i don't know why that is i don't know if it really is related to the fact that there's iphones and android or if all iphone or if all androids would have that problem right because in college i was in lots of groups with both and it would be i'd get a message like four hours late but other people had already gotten it and it's like the, i lost the thread of the conversation all over the place right. very frustrating and then like some people want you to use and like i have a lot of <laughs> i do have a fair number of friends who are not originally from america and so they like whatsapp and a couple of them have tried to get me to use it. They're like, well, it's okay. Just use WhatsApp instead. It has all the same features. And I'm like, literally, this is the ugliest thing I've ever seen. I have not seen, not just only app. This is the ugliest object I've ever seen in my life. It is like specifically designed to look so bad you can't use it. I can't get over how horrifyingly bad WhatsApp is. And so I, I do refuse to use it. And I think that was part of how I got one of my friends to get eventually <laughs> to iPhone. Yeah, I've never used WhatsApp, so... It's distressing, Greg. You would not believe it, Greg. It's like you let loose Samsung, but worse, by building an app. <laughs> it's so bad. And it's made by one of the biggest tech companies in the world who's actually good at software. Yeah, Confusing. that's strange. Um, I just know I love iMessage. It's simple. It's clean. That's funny. iMessage really isn't what keeps me there, although I do like it. But that's, yeah. I really, really like it. It's like... It continues to lack some key features, which I think is puzzling. Like, why can I not mark a message as unread? I'm not, I'm not going to lose my mind about it, but that, like, is one of the most obvious things that I've always wanted. I need unread messages, but... That's fair. 
I guess I've never really wanted that before, or at least I never thought I wanted it. Now I'm. Well, I think it. as our discussion about email revealed, we have very different systems of keeping track of things that need to be handled. <laughs> For me, true. it's like if there's an unread message, it's getting opened immediately. So that's like the best way to force myself to do something mm-hmm. and to remember I need to respond. I guess I do want it, but what I do is don't. I don't open messages. I know, like te- I messages that I know. Yeah. I but sometimes it's too long to see the whole text. That's, that's the true. problem. Yeah. yeah. But I, yeah, that's also my strategy sometimes. But it shouldn't be that way. That's a good point. We should yeah, be able to. Yeah, it's just kind of an odd one. But yeah, in general, iMessage is nice. It's just, I don't know, not, not the cornerstone of my support for iPhone. I mean, my support goes beyond that. But I feel like, at least in my world, it is, it's probably that app I interact with the most um or like up there maybe in the top five but it's just so um great to be able like all of the different little features in it like being able to like people's messages reply reply directly to the messages it makes group messaging so much simpler i feel yeah maybe i I use group like I have Groupie's really bad. Groupie's almost do, like a parody of an app. Right. I has hate no it. features. Doesn't work at all. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. But there's yeah, like a lot of really people, bad. like a lot of, like there's people use it. A lot of people use it and it's awful. And it's. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. In, in contrast to Groupie, it is incredibly good. Yeah. Groupie, man, that thing hasn't had an update in 15 years. I've been using it since the beginning of college. Nothing's changed. That's it's hilarious. so bad. <laughs> I would, I would, before we, we end, I would like to file. Well, I don't even want to say file agreements. I would like to make fun of Apple briefly. So I think it's funny because a lot of people get angry at Apple for specific things, which is just not fruitful. It's like you can buy the device or not, but like especially getting angry at things where they where it is helping them or it's like they're enforcing lock-in and stuff. It's like, I get it. Like you can be mad, but there's there's obvious strategic reasons for this. But one thing that Apple should just feel foolish about and has to be hurting them because they look so stupid is that they won't use the word the. And man, it's so dumb. Like when they, so, I mean, they, since Jobs, have always said, uh, now iPhone has the ability to do X instead of like the iPhone, which has always sounded very foolish. And now with more products, of course you want to say the iPad, but when they send people in interviews, they're supposed to say iPad. So iPad can do X. And you sound, you always sound like Craig Federighi and you just sound very dumb, but they've taken it to a new, new extreme. I've noticed that with the neural engine, they say with neural engine, here, now Neural Engine does X. And it's like, Neural Engine is not a person's name. It's not like Mr. Engine. It sounds so, so foolish. I just think Apple Apple executives embarrass themselves every time. And I just, you know, you're sacrificing a lot of pride for this stupid gimmick that never made any sense. Like maybe under Jobs, there was some justification, but it has always sounded weird. And it just makes you sound dumb. That's, yeah, I agree with you. I have nothing else to add to it. I want to buy iPhone. I want, do you have iPhone? Do you have iPhone here? <laughs> I love iPhone. It ah, oh, so bad. That is, uh, yeah, that is funny. Uh, I didn't realize that it extended to like every everything they do. Um, I haven't noticed it on other things. I've just noticed it with the neural engine because I noticed it was in, uh, it was in like one of their text slides. It was like now with neural engine, it is possible to do this. It's just no one would talk about that. It's just, it's it's insanity. I just think about it all the time. It's like, what if, what's even a comparison? 
Like if you talk that way about brands for anything else you had, it's like, oh, I have the best water bottle. With Nalgene, I can drink water anytime. It's like, what is that thing? Oh, it's Nalgene. It's your Nalgene? The Nalgene, Nalgene now holds more water uh, than before. Yeah, it's, it's not even the Nalgene. Nalgene. Nalgene with infinite water. Oh. That's funny. Yeah. So anyway, that's my complaint for today. Not even a complaint. Just making fun of them. Okay, well, this is good, man. A lot, a lot of catch-up things to do. We have a lot of topics we can roll over to next time. 